father, he was as wealthy as a man could get. He had a very large estate. He had servants. He had land. He had livestock. He had the kind of life that everybody wants to have, but few can actually have. But more than all of that, this man had two sons whom he loved more than anything else in all the world. Unfortunately, though, one of the sons, the younger one, grew up to be a foolish and an arrogant man. And in his foolishness, he went to his father and said, Father, I demand. I demand that you give me my share of the inheritance. You see, the way things worked back then was that the father was the main shareholder of the estate. And only after his death would the remaining assets of the estate be divided among the two sons, the older getting a larger portion than the younger. The younger son couldn't wait. He did not want to wait, and so in his foolish and his arrogance, he went to his father and demanded his portion. And in so doing, he was essentially saying to his father, Dear old dad, I wish you were dead. So the father, he gives his son his share of the inheritance, and the son goes off. Through his foolish and arrogant actions, the son had completely ruined his relationship with his father. But he didn't really care. He got what he wanted and he used his inheritance and went and squandered it in wild living. He squandered it in ways that would make his father blush, but he didn't give much thought to that anymore because his relationship with his father was totally and completely ruined. He spent it, his inheritance, all of it, in a way that was recklessly lavish. He spent it on booze and in brothels. But when you live like that long enough, you live hard like that, with no steady, steady stream of income, eventually it all runs out. And that's what happened to this foolish, arrogant younger son. He ran out of money, and to make matters worse than a famine had. And now here he was, a far cry from where he came. He was lost in a land that was not his own, lost without family, lost without money and a way to live and to eat and to take care of himself. In his desperation, he did something that was completely deplorable to any good Jew of the day. He hired himself out to a pig farmer. The pigs, they were unclean animals, declared unclean by God, so nobody would do this. But to make it even worse, this young son was hungry. So not only did he work with the pigs, but he desired to eat the things that the pigs wanted. He was so lost. Lost without money, lost away from his country, lost without family because he had ruined the relationship with his father, all due to his stupid and foolish decisions. And in this desperation and this destitute state in which he was living, wallowing around in pig filth and eating the pods that, that even the pigs threw to the side, he came to this realization. It's my foolishness. It's my actions. It's my own stupidity that ruined everything that I loved and knew. As he was wallowing around in that pig filth, he had this nagging question popping up in his soul over and over and over again. How do I make things right? How do I get right and make the relationship with my father right? Of all of the parables that Jesus tells, these earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, the parable of the prodigal son reaches us emotionally and delves into the human psyche more than perhaps any of, other, any of the other parables that Jesus tells. Because it's this story about a broken and ruined relationship that is once again made whole, is once again made right. 
it's this beautiful lens. The parable of the prodigal son is this beautiful lens through which we can look at and understand what Paul is getting at in Romans chapter 3 when he says this righteousness of God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. The story of the prodigal son, it, it reaches us and touches us on such an emotional level because it is a story in which we get a picture of ourselves, namely of ourselves in this lost son. And that question that that lost son was asking himself over and over and over again is the same question that every single person at one point in their life, maybe multiple points in their lives across history has asked. Except that question is not asked about an earthly father. It's asked, asked about God. And whether you are a believer or an unbeliever or anywhere else in between, you have asked this question. How in all the world do I fix what I have broken? How do I make my relationship right with God? This question has been pondered and peered into and plunged by all people. You start asking that question all because this voice, well, this voice that speaks to your heart. It's a voice with which you are all familiar, but it's one that we try so hard to suppress. It's the voice of our conscience. And our conscience speaks to us when we, when we say that word or think that thought or carry out that action that we know is wrong. And our conscience most often speaks to us when we have done something wrong. And when that conscience speaks, it ties the cinder blocks of guilt and shame around you in hearts and sinks you and drives you deep into despair. And it's in despair that two of these questions, or two very important questions, come to the front of your mind. If I am feeling this way, I'm feeling guilt and shame, then there must be someone out there that I offend. There must be someone out there whose code of right and wrong that I broke. And so these two questions, whose code did I break, or in other words, which or with whom do I have a broken relationship? Number two, how do I fix it? How do I make that relationship right? Now, as fellow believers, you know the answer to the first question, don't you? The answer to that first question is God. It is God whom you have offended. It is God's holy law that you have broken. It is because of your sinful actions that you have ruined your relationship with God, just like the lost son did with his actions to his father. And though your scope of knowledge, specifically your knowledge of God, may be different than an unbeliever, you certainly have more than an unbeliever does, you still end up in the same place wondering, how in all the world do I make this relationship right? How do I get right with God? This is the one big question that is above all other questions in this life. It is a question that is born out of complete despair, and once you have asked that question, there is yet another voice that speaks. It's another one that you are familiar with, but maybe you've never put a name to it. When you're stuck in that despair, weighed down by your guilt and your shame, and you've asked, how do I get right with God? This voice speaks and tells you, I have the answer. I can tell you how to get right with God. I can tell you exactly Here's what you do to make your relationship right with God. This voice that speaks is different than the conscience. This voice is what old theologians used to call the opinion legis, the work of the law that, that tries to dominate your heart. And while it seems to offer you, offer you hope and answers in the midst of your despair, it does nothing but offer you lies. It tries to convince you that in some way, shape, or form, 
that the very heart which carried out the actions that broke and ruined your relationship with God can be, at the same time, the very heart that makes your relationship with God right. It tries to convince you that there's something that you can do to get right with God, that there's something you can do to try to prove your worth to God, that there's something that you can offer to God to make yourself right, something you can offer to God that he doesn't already have. This is the voice that speaks. The voice of your conscience, the voice of the work of the law. How in all the world do I get right with God? Problem is, no matter what we try, it doesn't quite work. You've experienced this to be true. You've fallen prey to it far too often, haven't you? The reason you're so familiar with that voice of the word of the law in your heart is because it's something that we all try. No, I'm not accusing any of you in an overt, in your face manner, thinking that I have that you try to get right with God by everything that you do. I don't think that is the case for any of you. However, it still happens to Christians. That voice of the work of the law still speaks strongly in your heart. The problem is with Christians, it often happens in ways that are much more subtle, much harder to detect, and they often take the forms of things that look like they're God pleasing. It looks like this. You try to get right with God when you when you come to church. But instead of coming to church to worship God, you come because you think that by sitting in worship and worshiping God, you are somehow making up for the way in which you lived this past week. It looks like giving an offering to God, but instead of giving the offerings to God to show that you love him, you give it to God because you think that by putting some more money in a plate or make up for the way you have squandered your life in wild living just like that last Sunday. It looks like showing love to your neighbor. But instead of showing love to your neighbor because it is the very thing that God has called you to do by the gospel, you do it and say immediately after, God is sure going to be pleased with me because I did this, and therefore I earn and have deserved his favor and right relationship with him. So all ways in which we try to get right with God, and those are things that seem to be God-pleasing, aren't they? Oh, the wrong attitude, they aren't. And none of, it, none of that will actually work to get you right with God. The lost son, you know, he tried to figure out a way that he could make his relationship with God right with God. He tried to with his father. He tried to figure out a way to atone and, and get through all of the sinful actions that he carried out against his father. And you know what his idea centered on? It centered on himself. He said to his father, Father, I no longer deserve to be called your son. Instead, make me like one of your hired men. The son's idea was, I can make my relationship with my father right if I strip myself of the title of son and instead make myself a hired servant, make myself a slave. And in that case, then, then my relationship with my father will be made right. You and I and the lost son, we all come up with ways to try to fix the things that we have broken, to try to, to right all of the wrongs that we have committed against God. But the problem is, even our best and brightest works are like the filthy, tattered rags that were soiled and pig filth like the lost son was wearing. None of it actually works. So if, if there is nothing that we can do to make our relationship with God right, if there's nothing that we can do to get this righteousness of God that the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans chapter 3, how does it work? How, how do we make our relationship with God right? Notice when Paul says this righteousness of God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. 
What is conspicuously absent from that sentence? Anything to do with us, or what we could possibly do, or try to do, or try to prove. That is because we are sinful. And nothing we could do could actually make us right with God. Paul presents us a really important truth in Romans chapter 3. He says that human beings cannot make their relationship with God right. Their relationship with God has to be made right. And he shows us how it's done. He says this relationship, this righteousness from God, it comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. You see, our relationship, it doesn't depend with God, doesn't depend on us, or what we do or what we try to prove, it depends entirely on God and what God has done for us through his son and how God feels about us. And this is what the lost son needed to be shown. He needed to be shown that his idea of stripping himself of the title of a son and making himself a servant to his father wasn't going to work because his father, in spite of all of the bad things that his son had done to ruin that relationship, he still loved him. He loved him with a love that only a father could have. A love that is unconditional. A love that is no, has no strings attached. A love that is undeserved. And in this love, the father watched for his son day after day, hoping that he would return. And when the son finally did, the father embraced him and wouldn't even consider wouldn't even consider the option that the son had given. Make me a servant, Father. Son, that's not the way it works. Instead, the father, he immediately made the relationship right. And he did more than that. He bestowed on his son gifts that he couldn't begin to deserve. He placed a signet ring on his finger. He placed sandals on his feet. He slaughtered the fattened calf in celebration of reconciliation and restoration, the celebration of a relationship made right. This relationship was made right not by anything that the son had done, but by everything that the father did. It was made right because of the father's love and the attitude of this. This is what God has done for all of you. Your sin broke your relationship with God, but God made it right through his son. And he didn't do this because you earned or deserved it. He did it because he loves you with a love that only a father can have for his child. He loves you with a love that is unconditional. He loves you with a love that is undeserved. He loves you with a love that has no strings attached. And so when Paul says this righteousness of God, this relationship that is made right with God, it comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. Just like the father did for the lost son, so God does for you. He bestows on you a gift gift of faith. The gift of faith alone. You see, faith in and of itself is a gift. It's not something that we choose. It's not something that we decide to have. It is purely a gift from God. And it has worked in a miraculous and a miraculously simple way. It's worked right here and now. It'll be worked in a few moments. It's worked through word and sacrament. God, through the power of his word, creates a relationship with you. God, through the waters of baptism connected to his powerful word, he, he makes your relationship right with him and transforms your heart and enables you to live in a new way, enables you to live in the light of a relationship made right with him. This is given to you by faith alone. But how can you be sure? How can you be sure that faith alone 
is enough? In order to answer that, you've really got to ask yourself another question. What is faith? Abraham shows us in our first reading, doesn't he? When God promises Abraham that he will have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, Abraham took God at his word. Faith is shown to us by the centurion in our gospel reading for this morning, which, by the way, is the second time in the gospels where Jesus says, This man, where somebody has great faith. The centurion, when he went to Jesus and said, Help, my, my servant is suffering terribly, heal him. He trusted and took God, took Jesus at his word, that his word was powerful enough that it was effective enough. Even the lost son shows us a picture of what faith is. When his father made his relationship with him right, he just takes him at his word. There's no question, there's no doubt. It's just a relationship made right. This is what faith is. It's simply taking God at his word. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. When your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are taking God at his word that the righteous one of God left heaven to stand in your place and to rescue you. When your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are taking God at his word that Jesus Christ, the righteous one of God, stood in your place by his perfect life, by his innocent death, for one reason alone, to make you right with God. When, you, when your faith is in Jesus Christ, you believe that Jesus suffered all of the punishment for your sins, all of the wrath, the righteous wrath of God that he had, and that punishment is no longer yours. When your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are taking God at his word that through his son, your relationship with him is made right. This is faith alone. This truth, faith alone, that frees you from any of the pressure to try to make your relationship with God right, and instead it frees you to live in the light and the glory of a relationship made right with God, by God, through his Son, and it actually therefore frees you to live a life that fully and freely gives everything back to God. Faith alone. This is the heart of everything. It's the heart of everything. And I pray that this truth echoes through the chambers of your hearts all the days of your life because this truth, faith alone, assures you of this that the righteousness of God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to you. That the righteousness of God is yours. Your relationship with God is made right. God grant that in Jesus' name. Amen.